Your gray sheet has our new hymn on it. It's from the Lutheran Hymnal 116. It's to the name of our salvation. Uh, the author, unknown. Uh, it is found in some Latin medieval breveries and John Neal translated it. It's not included in Lutheran worship. It uh, was included in the Lutheran hymnal. But we'll be working on it for six weeks or so. To the name of our salvation. To the name of our salvation. Laud and honor let us pay. Laud and honor let us pay. To the name of our salvation. Laud and honor let us pay. To the name of our salvation. They include it as a possible hymn on New Year. Why would they include it for a New Year's hymn? The name of Jesus. Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, counting from December 25th, put you on New Year's Day. And so uh, that also was the day in which he was named. What's the name that he was given? The name of our salvation. Jesus. Uh, the name which means one who saves. And so uh, we're going to be singing to the name of our salvation. We're to give him laud and honor uh, and pay our, our laud and honor unto, unto him, uh, to the one uh, who received that, that name which for many a generation which for many a generation hid in god's foreknowledge lay hid in god's foreknowledge lay which for many a generation hid in god's foreknowledge lay which for many a generation hid in god's foreknowledge lay now god has been telling us or the father has been telling us that he is going to send us his son that already began soon after they fell into sin already in the garden where the woman would uh, give birth to a son we find out the same thing as Abraham uh, I think I preached on that recently and about how he was going to have a seed and in him there was going to be a covenant preached about that on New Year's Eve dealing with the covenant which God had made with him. Even to Isaiah said that he would be uh, the mighty God, wonderful, counselor, prince of peace. But to actually say this is his name, as it says, it was hid. God foreknew. He knew exactly what was going to happen. In fact, he knew even before he created the world uh, that he would need to send his son, naming him Jesus, to be our salvation. But now it has been revealed. Uh, and so, usually as we uh, start pushing forward into the epiphany season, we talk about revealing things or making things known. And so, God is making known. Uh, in the Old Testament, we often say it was by shadows, but now the light has shined uh, forth. But with holy exultation, we may sing aloud today. We 
But with holy exultation we may sing aloud today. But with holy exultation we may sing aloud today. The reason we sing is because it is good news of great joy uh, that we have someone who is the one who saves us. All right, so uh, stanza number one. salvation, laud and honor let us pay, which for many a generation hid in God's foreknowledge lay, but with holy exultation we may sing aloud today. We'll sing the rest of it during our catechesis. We're moving on to holy baptism in our catechism for tonight. And so, uh, this is the fourth of the six chief parts that we go through. We've had the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. Baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water. Baptism is not just plain water. But it is the water. But it is the water. Included in God's command. Included in God's command. And combined with God's word. And combined with God's word. Baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word. All right, baptism. We describe it as a sacrament. Why do we call it the sacrament of holy baptism? What does it mean that it is a sacrament? Mark? Because it's, it's something we, that we don't understand. It's not a mechanism we, we understand. And it's forgiveness. Aha. Um, yeah, the, actually the Latin term sacramentum comes from the Greek word mystery. Fully understand. No, we're told about it. God presents it to us. Um, more than that, it is that where we receive the forgiveness of sins. God is doing his work. Baptism is not our work. It is God's work. So, God is doing something. God is, well, having us baptized into his name. What does he use for this Baptizing, <clears throat> baptizo is the Greek word, uh, to baptize. Hmm. In the Old Testament, they baptized things. Huh, what did they baptize in the Old Testament? The cauldron. The cauldron, yep. What else? The altar. The altar? Whoa. Now, how did they do that? Look at that big altar. How did they baptize that thing? It was magic. <laughs> <laughs> it down and dipped it in the baptism. 
<laughs> Take it down here and tip it. What? Sprinkle it. Yes, exactly. And so even in the Old Testament, it talks about the baptizing of pots and cauldrons and kettles and things of that sort, which may very well be uh, uh, immersed, but we don't know that. It uh, simply is a word to uh, wash. Uh, there is also, even with the altar, the baptizing is the application, which is the sprinkling with water and or blood. Yes, exactly. Correct, correct. And so whenever we talk today about baptizing and someone says, well, it has to be by immersion, uh, that's not so. Uh, that's not what the word actually means. It simply means to apply to water. It could be a sprinkle, a pour, an immerse. Uh, Paul does make use of the immersion imagery because in baptizing it says that we're united with Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. So Paul says, fine, when you go down under the water and then you come back up, it's like dying. I would say the imagery being you're going under the ground and then rising back to, to new life. So Paul makes use of that uh, uh, as well, but that is not the only way. In fact, even to say that the baptisms that happened in the book of Acts, that they were all by immersion, is, is simply not true. Uh, there, there was 3,000 baptisms in the, on the day of Pentecost, and that was in Jerusalem, and we doubt that there was uh, uh, the river close by and, and those kind of things either. So uh, probably not, probably not. All right, so concerning this baptizing, we say it's a sacrament. We say that God is doing it. What is baptism? Well, it's not just plain water. First of all, in what sense is it plain water? How is it plain? Just, yep, just water out of the tap. It's no special water. It's not that we've done something to it or changed it or gotten it or blessed it or anything like that. In what sense is it not just plain water? Liam? It's for what? It's connected with God's word. In other words, God said, use this water and do something with it. Fabulous. Hmm. If God says, use this water, and he also has combined it with God's word, what word did God use? He combined it with the word. What word? Which is that word of God? Repeat after me. Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Good. Was there ever other baptisms? Do we have different kinds of baptisms? Did, you know, John uh, baptize into the Holy Catholic Church, and then Matthew baptized, you know, in the 
creator and justifier and sanctifier, and Paul did it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Were there different kinds? Did John the Baptist use different words? What about this? No, that's all a modern invention. That is all a modern idea. You're right. Uh, no, they all used the same. In fact, the same baptism that John was doing is the same one that Jesus did. Uh, at the time, uh, they talked about the two disciples and, and uh, about them baptizing. Uh, there was no distinction between these. In fact, later on when Paul talks about baptizing, he talks about how there is one baptism. And so we don't have different baptizings. Uh, the apostles were baptized by John. Jesus does not have them rebaptized or anything like that. Uh, not at all. And so what were the words that were used? Well, these words right here, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, were always the words that were used in connection with baptism. When we get to Acts chapter oh, 8 or, or whatever, uh, maybe the, the jailer, and he is baptized, and uh, it's written in the book of Acts, that he was baptized in the name of Jesus. Hmm. What about that? Was that a different baptism? Use some different words? Mark? No, it's not. It's just a, a general description of, of baptism. But not Pro being specific about the words used, it's just saying he was baptized in Christ's name. Exactly. When Jesus sends his apostles out, he gives them the prescription. He tells them, here's what you do. That's the Matthew 28. When we have in the book of Acts, we have a description, a general description of what is going on. It's not saying those are the words that were used. It's describing what happens when someone is baptized. They're baptized into Jesus, of course. And so that's why it is described as, as that in particular, for it unites us with Jesus. Romans 6 uh, speaks of it in those ways. And so we have the exact words that are given. All right, so I've got water. It's applied, poured, sprinkled, immersed. I have the words in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These, these two things combined make it a baptism. Who says so? Who says it's a baptism? Jesus does. So what good is a baptism? Ah, come on. A little water, some words. I, I'm sure that we could make this a, a lot more showy. We could make this a very important and, and fancy thing. How, how Christians are made, how disciples are made. All right. Jesus says this is the way disciples are made. You're going to make disciples doing this. And you go, who would have said? Who would have thought? Um, you're going to make disciples. They had fancy rites in the Greek world uh, in which they brought you into the temple and they had smoke and mirrors and, you know, uh, I can't tell you they had uh, LED flash and lights or anything like that. But um, they did have quite a few little tricks up their, up their sleeves. Uh, also uh, uh, dancing uh, vestal virgins and such. All we have is water and, and God's name to, to place on someone. And Jesus says that this is the way we are going to make disciples.
a little outdated, and we move on to something else. No, why not? Since when does God get outdated? Because the day we were here, God's outdated. We've forgotten who created who here. You are correct. So we judge the work by the person. Not the person by the work. And so what do we have? Jane? I think you're exactly right. So if we're supposed to trust in what God is doing, God says, here's something for you to do. Now, if it had such great practical value, you know, that it made it into some great thing, we would say, well, of course, we'd do this whether God said so or not. But if God says, take some water and use my name and do this, and we go, almost sounds like the, uh, uh, the leper that didn't want to, <laughs> Don't we got better rivers somewhere else? He says, well, what if he had told you something great? You would have done it. Well, God tells us here, this is what I'm going to give you. He considers it uh, a way. We talk about a sacrament, sacrament of baptism. We got another sacrament, sacrament of Lord's Supper. Normally we speak of this sacrament as that which is the initiation, that which brings us into the Christian congregation, makes us a child of God, as the scriptures uh, describe it in, in Galatians, uh, telling us that you are all sons of God through baptism. And so this is the way that God does it. He sets this uh, initiatory rite up and says, this is the way in which I'm going to make you a child of God. Jane already hints at faith. Faith trusts in the name and the word and the water. Why do we why do we trust that that would make you a, a child of God? Because we have a word of promise concerning it. God set it up and God's doing it. And God says, if I'm going to do it, I can make whatever I want to. And God gives, gives us a promise, we'll see next week, that whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Ah, God puts this with it. We say, well, well maybe it's optional. That's not the way God spoke about it. Uh, instead, he puts it together uh, so that those who believe would desire to be baptized. That's what God said. And so we have a, a great gift of God. We have a great work of God going on. And it is one in which we, well, receive uh, his gift that we might receive uh, the benefits. So, did God command this? Absolutely. Uh, and so, those who would say... Well, I'm a Christian, I, I believe in the word, I don't need baptism. You'd say, well, if you believe in the word, <laughs> the word says for you to be baptized. Uh, wants the church to make disciples by having you baptized. 
So here we have God's command. Uh, he's given us the element to use, water. He's given us the words. He's told us who is to go about doing this. Uh, Matthew 28 says that he gives it to the newly 12, that is, to those who, uh, who are to be his church. They're going to add another, and we're going to have the 12 that are there. And so it, it's given to his church, given to those who are set apart as sent ones, apostles. He's going to then have those apostles appoint pastors and send them out as well. Uh, and so he would say, normally, you would want the pastor to, to baptize as a representative of God, uh, giving out the gifts. He's a steward of the mysteries of God, and so to, to, be, to be doing those things. In emergency, any Christian uh, can do this. Uh, what happens? Well, in the sense of an emergency, you say that uh, there is no assorting of the office or there is no putting down. Instead, one becomes the pastor of another and says, listen, you know, you're going to die. You need baptism. Uh, would you like to receive the gift? Uh, and so we say that that is to uh, definitely should be, should be done. Uh, should the person then not die? We say, well, let's bring them into the church. Uh, let's bring in the person who is baptized and the person who baptized, that they might bring it into the church, that they might make the confession. Did you use water? Did you use the name? Yes, I did. This is a valid baptism. Let's receive it and rejoice in it. And thank God that he is gracious and merciful and has, has spared life uh, so that it might once again be reconnected to God's church. This is where believers come back to, uh, to be. If you're a child of God, you come here to, to hear the word and to receive those gifts. And so uh, with, with baptism, is it a valid baptism? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, Old Testament. We've already talked about in the Old Testament. We've talked about in Ezekiel where he says, I will sprinkle you with clean water and you shall be clean. It also talks about some of the very things which we say baptism does. It talks about how I will take away your heart of stone and I will do a fleshy heart. I'm going to give you a heart that desires, not one that is hard to God's word, but that one is alive and, and living to God, as opposed to dead in transgressions and sins. It says in Ezekiel, and I will put my spirit on you. Jesus then teaches about this as well, where he says uh, that there is going to be water in the spirit as he talks with uh, Nicodemus about, about holy baptism. Uh, so we have this, this connection, this prophesying of what is to come, and then we have the fulfillment in, in God's gift of holy baptism. John introduces us to this, begins this, as a way of preparing uh, the Lord who is coming. We would say through our baptism, we receive the Lord uh, who, who comes to us as well. Another Old Testament account, Moses. Moses is the great leader of the Old Testament. What does he do? 
He's sent by God to go down and to rescue God's people out of slavery in Egypt and to bring them out. They have this little trouble when they're at the Red Sea. And what happens? They pass through the water. He has the water part, they pass through. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, it speaks of it in this way. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Both cloud and sea are water images. Uh, what does he say? When you were connected with that, you were connected with Moses. And so whenever Moses comes through, then you come through. And so you would say the Old Testament savior figure, which was Moses, is now seen in Jesus so that we, through our baptism, are baptized into our new leader, our leader Jesus, who has gone through baptism as well, that he might unite himself with us, uh, he too has gone well, through death, that he might lead us unto that which is eternal life. I just realized that's neither immersion nor spring laving, and yet it's still baptism. Yes, and yet they're covered in the cloud, covered in, you know, and yet, yeah, it doesn't fit actually the image, but it's the same Paul that does the immersion imagery Two. So. Questions concerning baptism. All right. I guess we have time for our scripture verse tonight. Excellent. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Repeat after me. His intent was that now, His intent was that now. Through, the church, through the church, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. His intent was that now his manifold wisdom, uh, the manifold, his intent was that now through the church, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So what do we have? God, in his foreknowledge, knew all of this. But when the time came to reveal this, he wanted his wisdom, and it says it is manifold, uh, uh, of many folds, of many, uh, not just one-sided, but full wisdom, that it might be made known through the church. What does he want? That's where he wants the wisdom of God to go out. Um, and so this was his intent, that now, the now being the time of the church, that uh, or the, the last days from Jesus until the end, 
that the church might be the place where you go to seek the wisdom, the manifold wisdom that might go out. And when it talks about rulers and authorities, it's not talking about uh, the civil government, but where it talks about in the heavenly realms, it's talking about spiritual things. It's talking about through those who are pastors and teachers, uh, or as Paul says, those who are rulers in the church, that that wisdom might go out. Fits with our, uh, our theme for tonight. Tonight we're going to be taking a look at uh, the coming gospel reading, which this year happens to have Epiphany. So it will be the Epiphany reading, and uh, it will be on Sunday. So we'll take a look at Matthew 2 this evening. We light the candles, we'll begin. O oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth declare your praise. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O oh Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Alleluia. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. It's from Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes, of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. This is God's word. Our hymn is on our gray sheet. 
to the name of our salvation. salvation, Lord and honor let us pay, which for many a generation hid in God's foreknowledge pay. But with holy exultation we may sing aloud today. Jesus is the name we treasure, name beyond what words can tell, name of gladness, name of pleasure, and in heart delighting well, name of sweetness passing measure, saving us from sin and hell. Tis the name for adoration, tis the name of victory, tis the name for meditation in this veil of misery. Tis the name for veneration by the citizens on high. Tis the name that whoso preacheth speaks like music to the ear. Who in prayer this name beseeches Sweetest comfort findeth near, who with perfect wisdom reacheth, heavenly joy possesses here. Jesus is the name prevailing over every name by right. At this name in terror quelling, powers of hell are put to flight. God in mercy never failing, saves us by this name of might. Therefore we in love adoring, this most blessed name revere. Holy Jesus, the imploring, so to write it in us here. There hereafter, heavenward soaring, we may sing with angels there. All right, let's talk about the king, Herod, the king, Herod. Um, what tribe of Israel was he a descendant of? Judah? Simeon? Hmm.
He was not. Ha! He was not Jewish at all. He is the first king set up by the Romans to be over the Jewish nation, and he was not Jewish at all. You think they liked that? Nope. <laughs> uh, at least up to this point, they could say, well, one of their own was usually set up or something like that. <coughs> no, he was not. And so he was not a Jew. He was not from the tribes. And he was placed over them to keep them in line. Did they like him? Was he good to the Jews? No, not at all. They hated him. Um, he was ruthless to them. He did all kinds of things. Um, and uh, didn't mind uh, ruling by an iron fist. Even when we get down to the killing of these baby boys, fine, that'll make them fear him. And so we have Herod who is placed over them. How long had he been ruling over them? Hmm. Short time, long time? 30 years. He'd been over them for a long time. In fact, he had been ruling as that. And thus, what do we find? Well, the people had settled in. <laughs> you know, um, you wait a while, you wait a while, and finally you go, you better just get along. And so that's what they did. They got along with him. And they did what needed to happen. And if they, well, were good according to Herod, he left them alone. And so they tried to obey the Roman leader who was over them. All right, so these people come from, these magi uh, come from the east to Jerusalem. They come from Babylon, Babylonia, Persia, way off there. I looked it up. 60 days was the amount of time that it usually took for a journey from uh, one capital to the other, as it would have been uh, recorded. 60 days. So they must have seen the star. Now, that doesn't mean that the next day they book a flight and, and come, uh, it probably takes some time. The, one of the traditions says that they arrive by January 13th. Quite unlikely. Uh, it so happens that the East had a festival on January 13th, so therefore he must have come at that time. Uh, probably not. How long did it take? Well, let's just say it takes the usual 60 days, maybe longer if you have a long, um, large group and everything else that goes with it. And let's say you see the star and you have to take some time to figure out what this is all about and then to decide if you're going to go and then to gather your supplies and then to get together and then to come. What do we know? We know that when Herod, and we'll get to this again, secretly says, when did it appear? 
Herod says, we're going to kill all the children to and under. If you are Herod, about what time, you know, what are you doing? You're figuring the child is what? Close to two years old. Yeah, probably one. Because yeah. I want to make sure I get that little yeah. king, right? Um, and two-year-olds start to do things, you know, I can kind of figure out about when, how old this child is. And so, you know, they must have told him, and he must have said, listen, if I get two and under, I can be sure to get it. So it's probably not too close to the two, but it's, all right, I'm going to say a year. I don't know, wherever it is, somewhere around there. Uh, where do the Magi, Liam, where do they find Jesus? In Bethlehem. Where in Bethlehem? A year later? He's still laying in a manger? In a house, it said. He's not in a barn anymore. Uh, they've probably rented a house or something like that, and so they're in Bethlehem. Yeah, I caught you, didn't I? Yep. All right, so it says that he's in a house. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how long. He wasn't that long in the thing, in a, in, a, in a stable probably that night, and then we're able to find something. So he's in a house. It's about a year later. What all happens? Well, the Magi come. Simple, natural knowledge? Well, there's always the stars appearing and something great happening and looking into the stars and kind of things, but most likely they had some help. How would they have known the Word of God? We've got two possibilities. One? They were descended from very good. So God had sent into Babylon, and when they went into Babylon, they also put a ruler over all the wise men. Who was that? Daniel. Daniel. Um, and so he was the head of all the wise men, and so he definitely would have taught them his Jewish wisdom that he had, which would have been the word of God. There was also another prophet that was from that region. Kind of a mixed bag of a prophet. Often spoke God's word, but somewhat reluctantly. You know who that was? Was it the guy with the donkey? It was. It was Balaam. You're exactly right. Uh, and so we have some uh, prophecy even from that time. So, I'm going to say we do have in the Old Testament references to a star rising. We have a star bringing in. Here is the newborn king. What do they do? I'm going to say they put this together. They, too, are those who were astronomers as well as had this wisdom and said, this is a prophecy of the newborn king. This is the one who is the savior. This is the promised one. And so, they're going to go find him. Nevertheless, they go to the wrong place. Where do they go? Exactly. Um, I'm going to tell you, though, natural knowledge, which would make perfect sense. You find a king in Jerusalem where the palace is, doesn't find the Savior. It is only by means of the scriptures. And this passage 
teaches us again and again how they needed the scriptures in order to understand and to know. And so they show up there asking about where is the newborn king. That's what they want to know. Um, hmm. They expect him to be there. He's not. Nevertheless, King Herod does this little... Keeps one group over here and one group over here. <laughs> um, what? You want to know about a king? So, tell me, where does the king, where is he born? Uh, just, just filling in my crossword puzzle. You know, it says here, you know, four down, the king is to be, where is he born? Bethlehem? Great, that's all I wanted to know. Secretly, I'm not telling you, uh, when did the star appear? Why is this? Why does he do this secret thing? He doesn't want to get caught. He's got a plan, and his plan is what? His plan is to kill. You're right. And so, uh, when he says to them, I want to go worship him too, what do they say? Are you kidding me? I mean, they would have left, you know. So he doesn't tell them. Exactly. Um, do you think they figure this out? I, you know, I come on, secrets? Yeah, right. Um, nevertheless, King Herod wants to kill him because why? He don't want to lose his throne. Exactly. So his, his uh, prophets are Jewish ex-Jewish, I guess they were? Yeah. They knew all, I mean, maybe that's why he could keep them in on the loop, because, well, they knew that they, that they were, I mean, clearly they, they must have known if they knew he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Yeah. So here, what do we have? We have this large entourage come into Jerusalem, meet with Herod, and then go off towards Bethlehem after he asks them, where's the king to be born? Now, once again, he doesn't tell them the plan about the killing till a little bit later, but I think they put two and two together, absolutely. So, tell me about the scribes and all them who find out that, hey, it's in Bethlehem, and now they're going to find this newborn king... That's the talk of the town. Well, do they go to Bethlehem? Apparently not. A couple possibilities. Why? One? They don't want to lose their positions anymore than King Herod does. You bet. And so there is fear going on. And you know what? If we just stay here, everything's fine. Don't, don't, no, I don't know anything. I'm doing just fine here. Um, I like my material wealth, I like my position, I like where things are, keep the king happy and everything's fine. He gets out of control, you never know what he's going to do. Or two. All, they really don't believe it either. All they care about is filling in their crossword puzzles too. Um, sure, there are lots of people that have lots of Bible knowledge. They don't trust in it. They don't believe in it at all. Either way, 
They have nothing to do with it. They're just fine underneath their position in Jerusalem. Leave everything the way it is. Don't, ma don't make him mad. So people then were just like people now, right? Bingo. Absolutely. Um, I don't want to write as a ruckus. I don't want to... Yep. So exactly. We're trusting in our positions and those kind of things. Nevertheless, in order that the Magi might actually find the Savior, what do they need? The Word of God. And guess what? Even if it's going to come out of a donkey or whatever, we'll take the Word of God and it will teach us where to go. They are to go to Bethlehem, and that's where they go. Nevertheless, something else happens. The star reappears, and the star leads them to the place where Jesus was found. Where was he found, Liam? In a house. In a house. Lying in a major. No, lying in a, uh, in a house in a baby bed, something, exactly. And so, I don't know of any star that does that. Um, this must be a miraculous star, and God is still in control and still working this out. They go to visit. How far away is it? Three miles, three to six. Uh, fairly close. Probably sleep that night, get up the next day, go to Bethlehem. He tells them, come back and tell me. They go there that night, uh, and they visit, you know, they get there that day, spend the day there. They visit with uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus. They worship him. They bow down and worship him. They give him gifts. They give him gold, money, large quantity of money. What's he going to use the money for? <laughs> to pay a preacher? What are they going to use the money for? No, what else? They're getting ready to make a trip to Egypt. They don't know it yet, but they're going to need to secure and to pay for this trip and to stay down there for a couple years and come back. Uh, and so they're going to need gold. They've got incense. Incense is used for prayers. They've got myrrh, which is also a valuable uh, ointment or that which is used for burying dead bodies. Uh, that also could have been sold uh, as well. And so they have these gifts that are given, expensive gifts, gifts that came from the region where they were. That's a pretty common practice. You might remember whenever they went down to Egypt, uh, to get some uh, supplies. They took a little fruit and nuts and honey and stuff from the land of Canaan on down there whenever they were to bring back food for the famine. So there was uh, the, the bringing, the tribute of that which, which would come from your country. So that's what they do. Uh, they see him that night, that day. Uh, that night they lay down to sleep. Joseph has a dream. He's being warned by God to take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. It's a dream. It happens at night. What does Joseph do? 
He gets up during the night and gets them out. Nobody knows. When they wake up the next day, what happens? Everybody comes over to the house to find out who were those hundred entourage, kings, magis coming in, and what, what all was that all about? They go to the house, it's empty. He's gone. How long does it take? It says here that the wise men are warned in a dream as well. Don't go back to Herod. So they go back another way. How long does it take him to figure this out? Right. So they go there. If they're not back the next day, by the third day, you go, what's going on? Uh, you send someone out. You can figure this out pretty quickly. Uh, they've gone somewhere else. Exactly. And so it doesn't take long before they send out those who are supposed to kill uh, all those who were, uh, who were gathered there. By this, Jesus is saved. Uh, that is, saved for a time in which this is not his point to die. Uh, he is to die on a cross at another time. He is to preach and teach and to uh, call people to himself. He is to fulfill the law on our behalf. He is to have apostles who are to be with him for three years. He is to do all of this on our behalf. And so this is the opportunity that God uses even though Herod, being evil as he is, uh, uh, works havoc there, uh, it is only upon those who are little circumcised Jewish boys who have the assurance of salvation. And so God takes, takes them home as well. There are words of promise that even for the mothers that these children will uh, come back to the land, referring to the promised land, uh, words of, of comfort for them. Jesus then comes out of Egypt. He calls his son out of Egypt, which fulfills another prophecy. Who else had come out of Egypt? Well, God's son, the Israelites, when Moses brought them up. And so now Jesus fulfills that you know, prophecy as well as he is called up out of Egypt. Uh, it is not long, less than two years, and Herod uh, contracts a terrible disease, uh, his body rots from the inside, and soon he is replaced. Um, God has his way. Uh, those who try to subvert uh, God's will will not succeed. Uh, he always outsmarts them, and so we see uh, that happens uh, as well. Questions? For us, this is, as I mentioned, the epiphany season. There is a transition from Christmas to Epiphany. Christmas is the birth of the Savior. Jesus Christ, who is true God, comes and is born in a manger, and people see that this is a true man. With the Epiphany season, we have the revelation that the one who is true man is also true God. And so what are these things that reveal? Well, we call them miracles or signs. Uh, that point to it, whether it is uh, Jesus turning water into wine, whether it is the heavens open and God the Father saying, this is my beloved son, or him uh, raising someone who is paralyzed so that he can walk, 
Uh, there are the miracles, the revelation, the epiphany that Jesus is true God. We also have a transition between the one who is born to the Jews, who is the king of the Jews, now has Gentiles come to him. He is born as a king of the Jews, but he is to save both all the nations of the world. He is to save both Jews and Gentiles. And so we see this prophecy already of the church, which is to be come to the light, uh, is to be a light to the revelation, the glory of Israel, but a light so that the nations might see, as Simeon says. Questions? Prayers this evening. Should we ask God for, thank him for, confess? Yes. Okay. Very good. And God, from the beginning, had a plan to thwart our own evil. He did. He had a plan to save us, Gentiles as we are. All right. Um, I think we have our brown sheets for tonight. Grab one of those. They're the same as the others. I just fixed the typo in it. All right. So our responsive prayer. Please stand. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, you shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. O God, who by the leading of a star did manifest your only begotten Son to the Gentiles, mercifully grant that we, who know you now by faith, may after this life enjoy the fullness of your glorious Godhead. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We confess, Lord, that we have not given adequate attention to your word, and we ask that you would uh, give us new hearts uh, so that we desire to hear and keep that word. We ask, or we praise you for having sent your son and showing him, showing that he was, in fact, true God, come to be with us. And we thank you for the forgiveness that he worked on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. O God, from whom come all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works. Give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and also that we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may live in peace and quietness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.